Welcome to Curated Conversations 360 podcast and another episode in our second season of Asia and the West. I'm your host, Susan Bird. As with our first season, we showcase people whose life, work, and experience shed light on what's taking place in and between these two critically important parts of our world. We're especially focused on China, and you'll hear from people with fascinating things to share about other parts of Asia as well. Note that the views and opinions expressed here are those of the participants as individuals and not intended to reflect the policy or position of their companies or other affiliations. This episode took place in Hong Kong, in the sky lounge of a favorite hotel of mine, the Upper House. It was early evening, and you'll hear background noise of people having drinks while enjoying a particularly spectacular view of Hong Kong Harbor. I I sometimes feel very alien uh, when I'm in the West, and sometimes I feel quite alien when I'm here. So, uh, and then other times I can feel totally at home in either. So, so it's uh, it's a strange combination. That's Simon Large talking about life as a global citizen. Born in Hong Kong, he spent childhood years in Japan, was educated in Great Britain, and then returned to Asia where he's remained. I've known Simon since coming to Hong Kong some years ago when he was chief marketing officer globally for Cathay Pacific Airways. He now heads Cathay's global cargo business. He hired my firm for a year-long project that expanded to three years, so I'm grateful to Simon for the opportunity to explore Hong Kong and many other parts of Asia as well. In this podcast, Simon explains why Hong Kong is an ideal place to live, and he talks of how tempting it can be for Westerners who come to Asia on business to be here, but not really be here, especially in mainland China. You go and stay at a hotel, and you can go to your office, or you can go to your business meeting, and you can get back to your hotel as soon as possible and get to the airport and get out of there and, and be none the wiser. So, yeah, you do want to have to have a uh, you want to have to have a curiosity. You have to have a curiosity and a, and a desire for learning. And if you do, um, you know it's as, you know these places are fascinating. The Chinese, on the other hand, are serious travelers, eager to learn about the rest of the world. They have this huge desire to to go out and see the world. Uh, travel is a big deal. Um, they want experiences. They want travel experiences. So, and that hasn't seen. I haven't seen that diminished at all. Um, they're, the, you know, in many ways the biggest, well, they are the biggest tourists now, I think, globally. But it's Hong Kong where Simon's geographic love affair is strongest. But it's so not British now, and it's so not Chinese in a way. It's got its own identity, um, which, is, which is fascinating in of itself. In fact, Simon says there's a great opportunity for Hong Kong right now. They want to make it a Silicon Valley equivalent. There's no reason why you couldn't do it here. Um, you, can, you can attract the kind of talent you need to attract. We talk about this and much more, including millennials of all cultures and their growing appetite to experience the world face-to-face, with the Chinese in sheer numbers leading the way. We also talk about the opportunities presented by the efforts of Asia and the West to communicate and what gets in the way. So let's get started. Welcome to 360 Conversations and this Asia and the West podcast series, Simon. I'm delighted you're here. Thank you very much for having me. I'm delighted to be here as well. So tell me something about how did this all get started? How, are, how do you happen to be in Hong Kong? I was born in Hong Kong. So uh, in 1969, my parents were both here. Uh, my father was working for a big uh, British company in, in, in Hong Kong. Uh, so yeah, that's where I came to be. I was here for the first seven years of my life, and then I 
moved from here to Japan. I was in Japan for the next six or seven years and then went back to the United Kingdom where I was I did the rest of my education. Uh, after university in the United Kingdom, I decided I wanted to come back to Asia. Uh, I'd obviously got the bug. <laughs> and um, yeah, as soon as I, almost the, the day I graduated, I got on an airplane and came, came straight back again. Uh, and worked for, uh, and, and got a job with the Swire Group, who were a big uh, Asian conglomerate, a family company here. So do you, do you see yourself as having a foot in both parts of the world? Do you see yourself as a Westerner in Asia, or do you, how, how does that no, work? No, I, I, I don't know how I see myself, really, in reality. Um, no, I, I, it's hard to, hard to, uh, to uh, pigeonhole me in that sense, I think. I, I, I sometimes feel very alien uh, when I'm in the West, and sometimes I feel quite alien when I'm here. So, uh, and then other times I can feel totally at home in either. So, so it's, uh, it's a strange combination. Well, I, I suppose in some ways it makes you a truly global citizen. But I imagine that when you're in the West, people think you're an expert on all things Asia. <laughs> and when you're in Asia, people think you're an expert on all things Western. That's exactly right. Um, yeah, I, I'm never entirely sure what global citizen means anymore, but you're right. I mean, I think if, if there is such a thing, I guess that is what I am. Yeah. So given the fact that you are not only in the West and in Asia, but you've literally traveled and in some cases lived in places all over the world, how, how accurate do you think Westerners' understanding of Asian culture is, especially Chinese? Well, um, you can't understand China particularly, um, I think, unless you really spend a considerable amount of time there. Uh, on the ground. I mean, the impression you might get from the newspaper or other media just never seems to to, to do it justice, in my opinion. Um, and and it, it, it can give you a very strange impression, I think. Um, so, no, I think, I think unless you've spent time on the ground in China, and I mean in China, actually, I don't necessarily mean in Hong Kong, because mm -hmm. Hong Kong is a very different place, too. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I think it's hard to, to get an accurate impression of, of, of what China really is about. Well, and that even assumes that you have an appetite for learning that. Um, my sense, since I spend most of my time in the West, is that there are many people who really don't have a curiosity about this part of the world. They just, you know, they're not informed, and that's just fine. Yeah, and it's easy to, it's easy to, to come in and out and remain uninformed. Mm. I mean, you can go and stay at a hotel, and you can go to your office, or you can go to your business meeting, and you can get back to your hotel as soon as possible, and get to the airport, and get out of there, and, and be none the wiser. So, yeah, you do want to have to have a, uh, you want to have to have a curiosity. You have to have a curiosity and a, and a desire for learning. And if you do, um, you know, it's, as, you know, these places are fascinating. So, how about the other way around? What's your understanding of the way, uh, let's let's say Chinese? What what is the understanding that they have of Western culture? Well, I, yeah, that's a different thing in that, in that, of course, you've got so many Chinese who have uh, um, settled in, in, in the U.S., in, in the U.K., and in, in all, all over the world. Um, so, um, yeah, the diaspora, you know, of China mm -hmm. around the world is, 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 is quite different from, you know, there's not the same clearly in, in, in China of the West um, to anything like the same degree. So, so they've had that. They've had that toing and froing. They've they've had that um, for, for a long time now. So, I think it is a different a different dynamic. Um, uh, and of course, they have for a number of years now, at least, or 
in, in China have been absorbing quite a lot of Western culture um, uh, in a way that perhaps we haven't been absorbing of their culture. So, so I think, yeah, I think they have a better understanding, a better knowledge, maybe of, of what makes us, as I say, us as in Western, Westerners tick. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but, you know, does that mean they've got a sus? I don't think so at all. I, I mean, I don't, I don't, um, I don't think I have a sus either. So. Mm. so, so you've been here such a long time. Um, what's how has this all changed? Well, let me start with another question. When I say when I mention conversations taking place between Asia and the West, what does that bring to mind for you? What does that mean? Well, I immediately think, um, you know, Asia is a is a, is a kind of huge entity, so and it's, and it's it's multitudinous. So so what it, what what you know if we talk about Hong Kong, Hong Kong is so different from China, and obviously very different from Taiwan or um, any other Asian city. So yeah, I mean I think I think I think Asia is a diff difficult concept to, to kind of ring fence and put your arms, arms around. around. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, uh, I mean obviously where we're sitting now, Hong Kong, is a totally different. Um, city to to anything else in, in China I mean it's got such a unique history of its own uh, such an unusual history um, in fact I think it's, it's 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 becoming you know quite quickly a, a very different city to almost anywhere else in the world uh, maybe it always has been but it's so not British now and it's so not Chinese in a way it's got its own identity um, which is which is fascinating in of itself and do you think that'll stay that way it appears to yeah I mean I think every year that goes by it seems to have I think form more of its own identity, not 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 become more part of China in a way, or or, or retain much of its Britishness either. I mean, it, it, yeah. I mean, it's it's um, yeah. What's happening here is is really interesting. Um, in what way? Well, uh, they, you know, uh, it, it's it's just this desire here to retain or try to try to find an identity of its own. So, you know, there are many things that. That, that I think uh, were left over from 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 uh, when the British were here that people want to want to now keep to some extent or mold mold a little into its own and there are some things they want from from uh, other other parts of Asia and there are some, some things they want from China so it's almost in a sense you feel they are just grappling with 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 with, with what they want to look like what they want to be how they want to live how they want to you know, how they want to retain their own identity. That's pretty exciting. It is right? exciting. I think it's great. I mean, I think it's um, uh, as long as everyone kind of lets it happen uh, and um, encourages it. Um, I think Hong Kong's got some amazing uh, opportunities. Um, you know, I often think of one thing that, that, that strikes me here is that 60% of Hong Kong, 70% of Hong Kong is still, is still actually country park. I don't think people even know that. So as a place to live, it's actually a great place to live for, for many young people. Um, you know, you can you can be in the country in five minutes from the city. Um, you can go out walking. You can you can um, get to the obviously to the sea very quickly. It's a really good lifestyle for, for young people. And for that reason, you think well, you know, it's got every chance of being entrepreneurial. You can attract almost like you know, if, if they want to make it a Silicon Valley equivalent, there's no reason why you couldn't do it here. Um, you can you can attract the kind of talent you need to attract. Um, now, whether they do that is another thing, but you know, it has that kind of kind of vibe to it. It has that um, it has the natural natural uh, resources to be able to do that. So, you know, uh, it's it's proximity to uh, 
obviously to, to the southern part of China, all that's happening there, Taiwan, to the rest of Asia. It's always been geographically in, the, in, in, in a great place. So, yeah, Hong Kong's got lots going for it, I think. Um, uh, so let's talk about something that's on the mind of a lot of people that think about and, and are interested in China, and that is this recent slowdown, downturn, whatever you want to call it, however you see the numbers. Has that had any, first of all, is it real? And secondly, has it had any impact on your business? Has it had an impact on your client's business? Yeah, so I'm in the cargo business, I'm yeah. in the logistics business. Uh, so if you get any kind of uh, even mild cold in the uh, in the markets, we're almost the first business. I'm in the air cargo business, air freight business, so you feel it almost straight away. People stop flying things by air freight. Um, so yes, the downturn in the Chinese economy at the beginning of 2016 immediately saw a slowdown in, in, in my business. Uh, and... Um, but, you know, I think everyone kind of anticipated it would happen, uh, and um, no one was quite sure as to the degree to which it would, it would hurt everyone. Actually, it, it was a little bit of a hiccup for a while, and then, it, and then it's actually picked up again in the last really? six, seven months. Because isn't it true that, that on some level China is really trying to get out of the manufacturing export business and become more internally... Uh, dependent on its own economy, or am I wrong about that? Uh, yeah, I mean they are. They've certainly moved a lot of the manufacturing away from the southern, the southern part of China, and moved it to the center of China. Uh, and they've also, yeah, you've seen a lot of manufacturing go to places like Vietnam and mm. Cambodia. Um, so, well, I guess that means there's still cargo being shipped, though. There's still cargo being mm -hmm. shipped, and they're, they're such a huge country. I mean, yeah, I mean, China getting out of manufacturing is. It's never going to happen in its entirety. I mean, they're always going to be manufacturing. It's just a question of to the size and the scale. And um, I, yeah, I mean, there was they, they definitely de-emphasized it and tried. To, as I said, the pollution has been an issue, so so they've tried to relocate it. Um, but it's 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 a huge. I mean, it's you know, it's a huge industry. So, how about your clients? How have they been affected by that? Um, it just means that it, in my case, or in my client's case, um, we've all had to be a little more mobile. So. Um, you know, everyone was kind of focusing all their resources on southern China, uh, mm -hmm. and suddenly then realized, okay, these things are going to shift around to different different locations, and we've got to move with it. Um, in my case, um, yeah, we've had to go and find the business. So before it used to come to us a little more easily in Hong Kong, but now we've got to go out there and go hustle and get it. a little, hustle a little. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not going to be so easy anymore. So um, what about the individuals? Um, You've also been very involved in the customer side of the the airline mm. of, of Cathay, so I'm sure you keep an ear to the ground about what's happening with the people in China, the individuals that are there. Do you have a sense of the millennials that are there, about the people, that, the, the whole new middle class there, and whether that's been affected at all? Do they feel that, um, gee, maybe this, this double-digit growth doesn't continue, or don't they even think about that? Or do you, do you I haven't even, even noticed them thinking about it. Mm. I haven't even noticed them thinking about it yet. Um, I think so much has happened so quickly. Um, uh, as far as they're concerned, you know, at the moment it can change again in, in a month, in two months. Um, it's been a it's been a you know a, a really um, exciting ride, I think, for, for many of them um, in the last five, six, seven, eight years. Um, they they have this huge desire to to go out and see the world. Uh, travel is a big deal. Um, they want experiences. They want travel experiences. So, and that hasn't seen. I haven't seen that diminish at all. Um, 
they're the you know in many ways the biggest well they are the biggest tourists now I think globally um, in the world so you know they're out there and they're going to continue to be I think uh, for the foreseeable future um, in all the markets I go to um, you know the Chinese are the number one number one market number one um, tourists that, 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 that people want and, and uh, it's amazing and this has all happened I know. It, it seems like in a blink of an yeah, eye it really. has been a blink of an eye yeah. it really has so so um, you know, I was working in Japan three years ago four years ago uh, if you walk around the streets of Ginza it was primarily Chinese tourists um, buying stuff uh, in the hotels it was you know Mandarin was the number one language being spoken by hotel staff and I think that's gotten bigger and bigger. Really. Um, so, what about the other side of that? Are you've had experience certainly um, recruiting people to work for the airline in all these different parts of the world? Are the are the Chinese who come to you? Are they equipped? Are they excited? Are they interesting potential employees? What's yes. The so, so again, you know, the speed of change is incredible. So, you know, I would say even four or five years ago. The standards of English were, you know, mediocre. I would say by most, by most of the, the Chinese uh, uh, candidates, if you like. Now the standards of English have improved enormously. So, um, and their 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 sophistication and their um, uh, ability to um, have a conversation or, or um, uh, engage. Um, an interviewer, or whatever it might be. I mean, it's just on a dumber level altogether. So, yes, from, from struggling a little to find good candidates, now we can find quite a lot of candidates. I suspect a year or two from now there'll be even more. And you can, I mean, they just work at a different speed, I think, than, than, uh, than anywhere else. That's so impressive. Yeah. Um, you know, because I remember it was not that many years ago when we would talk about. Uh, innovation and one of the things that concerned people about China was that because all their kids were being educated by rote uh, by a rote method that they weren't being exposed to the sort of critical thinking that was necessary so the West could sort of rest on its laurels and feel it had innovation sort of sewn up and then all of a sudden oh my gosh that's mm. not the case at all and mm. it appears that that hasn't hindered them and mm. yeah I don't think that is the case I don't think that is the case at all I think they've been able to learn in other ways uh, and expand the horizons in other ways. Um, uh, so, by, by other ways, I mean I think I suspect from from the internet and other and other means, they've they've just um, they've got a they've got um, a lot more imaginative, I think, um, uh, creative. Uh, you know, the art scene in some of these cities is is really impressive. Um, uh, the uh, yeah, the, the, I, th I think. I think it would be a risk to underestimate uh, any of that uh, at this point in time, from what I've seen anyway. Is this going to be the century of China, do you think? It could well be. It could well be the century of Chinese, uh, of China. Uh, I, I, the, the, issue, the only issue I think with China I feel, that I can see, they, I mean, they, they, they clearly have some... some some real environmental challenges, and you can see that now. I mean, even in Beijing at the moment, oh, it's you've got these huge pollution problems. You have to fly in there, and you fly into any of their major cities, and you can see that that is a challenge. That's a problem. Um, uh, that hasn't got easy answers, and they're going to have to find some answers to that. But they seem to be—they seem to be at least mouthing, um, and there are some indications that they're actually doing something about it, tough yeah. as it is. Yeah. 
So it's fascinating to me to think that, in fact, this may be the opportunity that China takes the lead on this, since there are other parts of the world that are, in fact, even denying that there are environmental problems. It could be it, it could be one of the things that they do to to win the world over, in a sense, about something that is everybody's concern. You're totally right. So. Yeah, I think the indicators are they, they have got a big wake-up call. They know that, they know, I mean, as I say, just from this, this, this pollution issue. Um, uh, and knowing the Chinese, they'll do something about it. So you're right. So, so that could be fascinating to see how that changes the way they think about energy or how they design their cities or um, how they design their agriculture. I mean, all those, all those things need, need real focus. Yeah, and fast. Yeah. So... You appear to be generally bullish about China's future and, and apparently the way it will intersect with the rest of the world. Am I right about that? It sounds like it. Yes, I think I am. I, I, I don't, I, I've never seen or never perceived the Chinese at, at, at heart as, as anything to be afraid of. Um, uh, and I think that... Um, yeah, I, I, I say I think I think they've got they've got a real positivity about them and a real um, uh, uh, enterprise about them, which which I yeah I would I would absolutely say I'm bullish about generally. So is the is the biggest source of your optimism the people themselves? This this sort of can-do, ambitious. Um, we have the future it's only going to get better kind of attitude. Is that what it is, or is it something else? I, it's some of that, uh, but I, I see real heart there, too, um, uh, in the people I meet, uh, in the communities I've, I've visited. Uh, there's, much more, there's much more heart there than I think sometimes is perceived. Oh, I, uh, I, I, I think you're so right. Uh, and I think that's really important. So it's that combination. Um, uh, they're, 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 you know, when you get to know them, as I say, they, you know, they're very kind people, and the whole world. And there's a huge, it's a huge country to talk about as more people. But I mean, you know, they, 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 I've seen a huge, huge amount of humanity there, and kindness there, and and uh, um, and caring there, and, and and good spirit there. So I think that's probably as much what makes me. So on the on the challenging side, you mentioned pollution and the environment in general. Are they, they seem to have other big issues. Do you know where stuff like that stands? For example, their healthcare system, which apparently is a problem, it especially is. when you consider all the aging people they have. Yeah. Um, what else do people constantly talk about? Certainly, healthcare system, the educational system. Well, talk uh, about population um, challenges too. You know where they've got too many males, too many, you know, and not enough population growth. Things like that that are changing. But but yeah, I mean they've got they've got. Um, challenges across the board, uh, but an ability, is, as we've said already, to find solutions. So, I, I think you know, I think, I think they will, they will. Uh, I think certainly, um, certainly on the healthcare side, I've seen, I've seen a lot of, it. I, uh, again, a lot of um, uh, creativity, a lot of enterprise, entrepreneurship. I, I you know. I, I, I'm pretty confident they'll, they'll find some solutions to some of the challenges they've got there. Um, I remember at one of our 
Cathay Pacific Conversations that there was somebody who was uh, a Westerner. Actually, he was a, a Swede who was working in healthcare in uh, in China, specifically Shanghai, I think. And he said, if the Chinese decided to do it, they could take stem cell research and be the leaders of that. And mm. you know, a, a matter of like two years. I used to say they're not. A, a good point. Mm. I mean, I don't Already, know, but I mean, I yeah. wouldn't be surprised. It wouldn't surprise yeah. me. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I don't have evidence that they are, but um, but you're right. That is the kind of um, focus and drive they can have. I think it's so interesting that you're in a business in which you bring people together. Mm. I mean, the, the people who want face-to-face -face connection with other people, they get on a plane and they do that. So you're, you're really in that business. M mine is more individually conversationally based, but I think it's intended in the same direction as how do we get our parts of the world to really have, to, to really be conversing instead of arguing or just being ignorant of each other. And mm. perhaps it's never been more important. Um, I don't know, do you have thoughts about that? It must, I mean, one of the reasons it must be exciting to work for a global airline is the fact that you're, you're able to do that all the time. Bring people together. Yeah, in a way that's not just for tourism, it's really, you, you can affect the cultures. Sure, sure. And, uh, I'm always amazed, and when we did it, when we did it with you, uh, it's always fascinating to see how much people enjoy it, mm. um, and how much people learn, how much people want it, um, uh, and um, how generally, how, how much people are prepared to listen. Um, you always imagine that they'll, you know, you're going to have those people who want to speak more than they, than they'll hear. But actually, that isn't the case. So, so yeah, it is encouraging. Um, we just need to have more forums for people to do it. I think. And I um, think we need to involve more young people. Yeah. Just in general. Yes. Um, because they're 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 where the conversation's really going to really going to travel. Yeah, and I think young people I know, it's almost sometimes. A, they're almost surprised by face-to-face -face conversation and how, how powerful it can be. Maybe that's, a, that's because they spent their entire lives conversing in other ways. Uh, SMS, <laughs> I, I mean, I think that's a challenge. Yeah. That, that is a challenge because uh, they, they suddenly realize, oh my gosh, I really need to know how to do this. And yeah. it's almost a talent that they yeah. realize they, 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 didn't, they didn't think about. Yeah. There are just an awful lot of people in the world who don't have dinner with their family. That's right. And that's where a lot of us that's learn right. how to have a conversation, that's right. right? That's right. I think what I find so interesting now is, I think you mentioned it, but, but I mean, and, and I think a lot of the people you'll talk to, you know, how many Chinese have been educated in the U.S. and have come back into, into Asia. Uh, I see that, you know, more and more now where you know, you'll come across um, what, what would outwardly appear to be a Chinese Chinese person, but uh, and they'll have a an Irish accent or mm -hmm, a, a, mm -hmm. you know an American accent or a British accent or a, and of course I mean Hong Kong is just I think it's just full of that in fact um, so so many have come back here um, having been educated overseas um, or indeed even if their parents have gone overseas to live they've ended up coming back. Um, so that's the source of a lot of the potential innovation, isn't it? That's it is. It is. And, and as you said, they are real global citizens in a way. Or, um, and, and, and I think, I think those mixtures are really interesting. Um, uh, yeah, they're, they're, you know, they're fascinating people often. Um, 
they've got so many different insights into 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 different cultures and um, yeah, I think that's the future in a way. Um, uh, so those are the kinds of people that that, that I mean, I, obviously you will be talking to, but but you know who I think hold the future for this part of the world and and for our you know for, I think for for globally. I mean, it, you know they can truly. Tra- uh, you know, um, bridge societies in a way. Yeah, we, um, we just have to have more Westerners being doing the same thing. Indeed, but the more that do that, I think, I think the better informed we'll all be. Um, uh, so yeah, I mean, I, th- I mean that 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 excites me. Um, I mean, I think a lot of Silicon Valley now are uh, uh, Chinese, for example, aren't they? I mean, a lot of oh my gosh, are, yeah, yeah. An Indian and and uh, um, you know uh, a lot of them are going back. Uh, to India or China, so yes, I mean, I think that that migration is fascinating. Um, we need more of it. I think. We need more of it. We well, do. that that's maybe a good place to stop. I really, um, I'm just delighted we've had this conversation. Thank you so much for taking part. Well, thank you for involving me. We'll have to continue. Yes, Thanks. indeed. If this is the first time you're listening to Asia and the West podcast, please subscribe on your podcast app of choice. There are plenty more conversations with fascinating people from where this came. And please rate and review us on iTunes. As you may know, iTunes gives credit to reviews and ratings, and the more credit we get, the more people can discover us. And please tell your friends. Word of mouth is a powerful way to spread the word about the Conversation 360 podcast and this Asia and the West series. There's more information on our website, www.conversation360podcast.com. The show's Twitter handle is at Conv360Podcast. That's C-O-N-V 360 Podcast. And my personal Twitter is at Susan W. Bird, spelled B-I-R-D. Thanks for listening.